Welcome to This Week in Lotus. The weekly roundtable discussion of all things social, collaboration, technology and community. Here's your host, Stuart McIntyre. This Week in Lotus, episode 32 for Friday 24th December 2010. Wives and Other Angry Birds, 2010, The Year in Review. This show is a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. You can find this and other tech-related podcasts at techpodcast.com. This Week in Lotus is sponsored by TomTom. Check out the brand new TomTom Fire Live 120 with built-in HD traffic, speed cameras, hands-free calling and much more. Details are at thisweekinlotus.com slash TomTom. Well, hello and welcome to episode 32 of This Week in Lotus. We're back for yet another hour-long conversation about Lotus technology, the community and everything that goes around it. I'm joined, as usual, by Darren Duke. Hello, Darren. Hello, Stuart. How are you? I'm very, very good. Thank you. How's life with you? Uh, It's it's cold. It's winter. Everybody is off. So I'm guessing this is going to be the lowest downloaded (laughs) podcast ever. Oh, they're going to have two weeks to download it. So maybe we'll get up to normal numbers. That's, that's a bit of news, right? That we're not doing one next week. Exactly, yeah. We'll, we'll skip next week. I think most people are on holiday. I certainly am. I think you are too, Darren. So I, I think it's it's good to have a, a week off next week and reconvene with full energy and everything else at the beginning of January. And we will ask today's guest if I indeed, in, in do, indeed <laughs> wow, try saying that, if I indeed do get next week off. <laughs> so, so let's ask, and let's ask the boss of STS, the real star of that company, uh, Lisa Duke. Hi there, Lisa. Hey, Stuart. I like the way you think. I'm going to have you just uh, walk around and introduce me, maybe at family gatherings and things. She's already changed the business card. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds much better when you introduce me. (laughs) So how's life with you, Lisa? You been busy? Ah, good. Yeah, yeah. We're keeping busy. And, um, you know, Darren's saying we'll have to ask me if he gets any time off. The problem with Darren is... You know, on a Saturday, he can either go bill $3,000 or he can go to Micro Center and spend (laughs) $3,000. So it's much better for us financially if he doesn't have any time off. And, you know, really, Darren having time off and Darren doing billable work for a client looks pretty much exactly the same. It's him heads down in front of a computer. So I, I really can't much tell the difference between him working and having fun, which... I guess is is what we're all striving for. If your work can be that much fun, you're you're doing it right. Wow, how right is that? Very very true. So you guys both at home for Christmas? Yes. Wonderful. Well, you have fun. I'm looking forward to a a, a very snowy Christmas here in the UK. Very uh, unusually for us. We, we you know we talk about white Christmases year on year on year. It's the first one I can ever remember. We've got about three inches of snow on the ground. So hopefully that will stay around for the next couple of days. Yeah, they were saying it's the first one in 25 years or something. Yeah, 
First time I can remember. So, um, so yeah, it's great here. The kids are enjoying it. It should be a, a wonderful Christmas. So, uh, we're here for a special episode of This Week in Lotus, joined, um, of course, by Lisa. Really pleased to have you on. You co-hosted three of the episodes early, early in the year when we um, when we kicked off with This Week in Lotus. So it's great to have you back. So for for this special episode, we're going to run through a review of the year, uh, talk about both this uh, podcast and how it's gone, but also more particularly the review of the Lotus year. Really, some of the big news stories from the year, uh, what the impact of those have been uh, how it's looking uh, as we go into 2011 and maybe some special stuff at the end as well in terms of some some wishes and tips for next year too so Darren let, let's kick off with with this episode uh, sorry with this podcast we obviously ki- restarted this week in Lotus back in May 2010 um, and so uh, I really appreciate you being involved right from early days but absolutely every one of the episodes I mean I can't say so how's it been for you interesting it 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 you don't think when you say yes that it's going to be this much work. It's a bit like marriage. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. You, you, you think it's going to be, oh, yeah, that'll be no problem at all. But, you know, when you get about four or five episodes in, you start running out of people who you think who, who might, might you know, attend. And then you've got to start really digging away. And, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of shocked that we're 32 episodes in and we haven't really kind of went back to you know episode number one and had the exact same guests on which i thought would happen is we'd probably have like five shows where we'd have like 20 different people and just mix them up and i I was worried that that would happen but for the most part you know i would say a lot of people have been on twice but that's probably the limit i would guess so it's 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 interesting and and i went back and listened to a few the other day when we realized we were kind of doing a year in review and also Sharon had made some Sharon Bellamy had made some comments online about episode nine, so I had to go and listen to it. Yeah. And they actually are quite good. I was shocked. <laughs> <laughs> so enough blowing of my own trumpet, I guess. Uh. No, no, no. They they've been great. And we've certainly had good feedback. I mean, at least I guess you've taken part in a few, but also listened to a few. So how have you you found the whole um, you know, podcasting business? Have you have you enjoyed taking part? I I have I have I've probably listened to more of them than Darren has just because you know he kind of gets the gist of it the first time through and I don't know that very many of them he goes back and actually listens to once they're published so um, it's been really interesting I like that you've had a lot of different guests there's been IBMers there's been other partners customers I really like the mix of people that you've had on and the mix of topics and uh you mentioned something here in the um, document that we kind of used to prep about strange accents. And I love accents. That's if, if anybody wonders, what does she see in Darren? It's the accent (laughs) and and the free tech support. But, you know, I love it that you you pretty much have the entire English speaking Lotus world represented. You, you know, it's not at all unusual for you guys to have somebody from Australia. I don't know, Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah, all over the place. And and actually, you highlight something I would certainly love to do better next year is to, is to widen out that scope. You know, we, we tried really hard to get guests from all parts of the Lotus community, whether they've been customers, partners, IBMers. But also, I think we need to probably widen the geographical spread. As you say, we've had we've had a pretty global spread in terms of Australia and America and Canada and various other places. But I think it would be great to to get more of the non English speaking world, albeit obviously people who do speak English and could take part in the conversation, <laughs> definitely on the podcast for next year. 
Absolutely. But maybe some guests from Asia, Latin America. So if you have a strange accent and you speak English, please contact Stuart about being a guest on a future podcast. And if you do tech support, don't contact Stuart because I still need a green card. <laughs> no, you don't. Darren's actually an American citizen. I'm going to out you, Darren. Ooh, yeah. you've taken the pledge. Uh, I coughed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a part about renouncing the queen, and Darren's like, <laughs> <laughs> so, Darren, what have we learned in doing seven months of these things? Are there anything, any sort of takeaways you've had from from taking part in the podcast? Yeah, there's there's two specifically around tips because this is this is my this is the weight of my neck is the tip section. Because I always procrastinate. It's it's very it's not unusual for me to not have a tip until Stuart actually gets to the tip section. And then I look around my office and I'm like, ooh, cardboard box, what's in there? Ooh, I'll put that as a tip. Um so the tips for me are really difficult because you've kind of got to think outside of your, your comfort zone because stuff I use every day, I just kind of forget how useful it is. Mm. And, and, and I think that's, that's hard for me, but I also think it's probably one of, based on, on the Twitter streams a couple of weeks ago, we said, what, what, what should we expand and what should we cut? You know, there was some unanimous voices saying, don't get rid of tips. So, you know, it's kind of good to see what, what we sometimes think is completely flu, floozy, useless, you know, information is actually helping people out there at least amusing them i'm not sure if it's helping them or abusing them but you know either way that's that's kind of what we strive for so but the tips are difficult if i was ever to do this again i would probably do i wouldn't a podcast wouldn't be done weekly it would be done bi-weekly or monthly and then the tip section would be a guest appearance every now and again as opposed to every week uh, maybe we'll have to uh juggle it around next year maybe we do that uh, certainly the thing i've learned about the tips is um it's the reason why my wife listens to this podcast every now and then <laughs> it's not to find out what i bought but to find out how much it cost I, I think definitely particularly that headset last week got me into so much trouble so sorry about that philippa um so yeah look, looking for next year i i certainly would like to get more customers on as well that's something that is quite tough to do not not least because some customers are a little bit more guarded about what they what they do maybe a little bit less confident in the media than maybe some of us guys who stand up on stage at Lotosphere or whatever but but also just because i only have a certain number of customers to call on darren only has a certain number and so we're really looking i guess for customers to contact us and i think lisa this is something you'd like to hear more of is, is more customers on the call Absolutely. I'd love to hear more use cases because I think that's one of the most fascinating things, you know, particularly about Notes and Domino, but even um, connections and quicker. It's really interesting to hear how people in different industries have used the products differently. And, you know, maybe it's a little bit selfish for me in sales. That's the best inspiration because when I hear about how, you know, some customer in Australia used I don't know, connections to blog about horses. There was some show about that <laughs> at one point. Then, you know, if I'm meeting with a customer that, you know, maybe is tracking pigs in Nebraska, for me, it helps me come up with creative ideas for how to reuse the products with our clients. So, and plus, I just find it really interesting. So I'd love to hear more um, clients that are doing interesting things with the products, unique use cases come forward. And, and I think you're exactly right. Stuart, for a customer, you know, their job, you know, a customer to us is usually an employee with an organization and their job is to show up and 
keep the shop running, not necessarily to promote what they've done, but, um, you know, so I guess there's not as much in it for them as there would be for an IBMer that's trying to get more people using the product or a partner that's trying to promote their own company. There may not be as much motivation for them to get the word out, but I would love for more folks to step forward and do that so we can hear more of those neat stories about how people are using the products. And, and I do have some respect now for the difficulty IBM have in getting customer case studies. I, I think yeah. our little microsm of trying to get customers just to talk about stuff shows, you know, how reticent they are, especially in the litigious United States where you've got to be really careful about what you say. You know, even the IBMers when they come on the podcast have to kind of be a bit careful. So, you know, the customers, I, I, I can see why now IBM have a, a difficult time getting them on because just trying to get a hello out of them is, is difficult sometimes. Yeah. And, and, um, that, and actually, it's, it's been quite tough sometimes getting IBMers on as well. I, I know how busy a lot of the IBMers are. And so even taking an hour out of their, their schedule each week to, to come on a podcast, it's pretty difficult for them to organise sometimes. So, again, we just appreciate all the guests that are taking part in this show. It's been great to have so many people volunteering and so many people willing to come on and, and share their views. Yeah, and if IBM are looking for a Christmas present for all their employees, get them a headset. <laughs> We've had some interesting sound quality issues on this show through the months, um, and I, I think we're, we're getting over it. It's, it certainly sounds crystal clear today. I guess we've got a, a full set of headsets uh, on the show, but certainly, yeah, you're <laughs> we right. have. It's, it's interesting, actually, because so many people in IBM use things like Same Time Unified Telephony and so on, that you would have thought more headsets would be in use, but I guess that's something that, that maybe will, will grow over time. I'm I'm always astounded, like you said. You 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 would you would think these guys are on a mic and a a speaker, you know, eight hours a day, and it's pretty obvious when you hear a recording of it that the mic in your laptop is not the same as a set of headphones with a boom. Yeah. Well, that's certainly true. So anyway, lots of lessons learned this year, uh, lots of fun had, and we'll be back in 2011 for more. Um, I mean, the first thing we'll be back for, I guess, is, is Lotus Fear 2011, which is taking place at the end of January, uh, beginning of Feb. And so we, we've got some things planned for that show, not least hopefully our BOF, if that gets selected. So get out there and vote. Everybody who's, who's received that email about voting for BOFs, it'd be great to have you vote for the, um, the Meet the Casters uh, BOF that Darren submitted. Yep, and there's not just me and Stuart. <laughs> um, literally, everybody who's anybody in, in the podcasting, you know, and screencasting, Chris Miller, Leedy, uh, Julian Robichaud, Bruce Elgar, uh, they've all, on the back end, agreed, if, if they're available at the time slot, if the boff is selected, that everybody will be there. So it's, it's not just more of a Darren and Stuart <laughs> show. Yeah, it should be a, it should be a very fun hour should it take place, and um, and we'll see what happens with that one. The other thing is is my other uh, podcast sort of hat is the Lotus Fear podcast, and, and we're planning to do quite a lot of um, shows and so on. Well, more more sort of shorter cuts of podcasts from the Lotus Fear um, showcase and so on. And Lisa, you've very graciously agreed to take part in some of those too. 
absolutely. Uh, I think, Stuart, you'll be playing the role of Darren telling me what to do as uh, far as technology <laughs> and fixing the technology that I break. So I'll, I'll require a little bit of training and coaching. But um, I, I tend to run up to random people and ask them weird questions anyway. So this at least gives me an excuse <laughs> to do that at Lotus Spear. So I think it'll be a good fit and very entertaining. And, and this may be a way for us to introduce more people to... Um, some of the other podcasts that are going on and, and blogs and things in the community and to pull in some some new voices so I think it'll be a lot of fun absolutely right and it's still not completely um <clears throat> booked in terms of the things we'll be doing with the Lotus Fear blog we've, we've live blogged in previous years with people like Declan Lynch and Paul Mooney and so on um I, I think we'll probably still do that this year but the plans are a little bit up in the air because of course IBM is live streaming the OGS which you know is such a big thing it'll be interesting to see whether there's still the same demand for live blogs that we've had in previous years I I think there will because so many organizations would block video feed oh, okay um, uh, so that's one thing, right, is is can a recipient of the feed get to see it? Um, and then number two is, you know, how many people are going to be hitting it? And, and it is, it, are, are some people going to have problems connecting? So I, I think live blogging still has its place. If if for no other reason, then, then you can target the lowest common denominator. Yeah. That's right. So, so hopefully that that will still go ahead. I know that people like Miller and Tyler will be doing their um their live blog, live dot com again this year. So there certainly will be some services out there for that kind of thing. <laughs> so so let's crack on. Um, you know the the main reason for this show the, uh, today is to talk about a review of twenty ten. We're now you know getting very very close to the end of it. So it'd be good to look back and and see kind of how the year's gone for Lotus and and what the big sort of takeaway points are from the year. So so let's you know. Roll back to January 2010. Um, the big news just preceding Lotusphere about a week or so before was, of course, that Bob Picciano, the GM of Lotus, moving on. Alistair Rennie taking over. Mike Rodin, previous GM of, of Lotus, kind of heading up to the, the top of the, the software group tree. Um, and, and so it's, it's been an, an interesting kind of shuffle round. Um, Darren, did, did you see uh, this coming or, or, or how did you take the news when it came out? I miss Bob. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like Bob because he come out. He came out swinging. He was yeah. in front of the media, E Week, Information Week. You know, for all of the purportedness that people don't read the magazines, every IT office bathroom I go in, there's a stack of them in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Really. Don't. I don't touch them. But there. So don't shake my hand at Lotus for you. You have no idea what magazines I've been reading. And and I think. Since since Alistair took over, there has been a deafening silence again. Uh, you know, I've started to see a couple of tweets um, out of the IBMers about Alistair being asked questions uh, like TechCrunch or something like that last few weeks. But that's the normal Lotus Fear run-up. And, you know, I think we've, we've got to acknowledge the fact that there are another 10 months in the year where the silence was deafening. And, and I think that kind of hurt. I think Bob, Bob Picciano did some good work on the ground groundwork there of coming out swinging and asking Microsoft the hard questions. And it's a shame no one really followed it up. Yeah, I, I would second that. Nothing against Alistair. And of course, we have no idea what these people actually do inside of IBM yeah. all day long. But from an external viewpoint, for me, being in sales, my understanding is that Bob does have more of a sales background. And so he was a you know, very comfortable with people, very comfortable on stage, 
interesting to listen to, had a lot of great energy. Um, one of the things that um, he did at Lotusphere is over the lunches, we would see him in sort of the general cafeteria, walking around to all the different ta tables and thanking people for coming. So he was very much like a host at a party and he was like, hey, thanks for coming to my party. And it made me feel so welcome that you know, you don't necessarily have to be a giant Fortune 500 company to get IBM's attention. You've bothered to come to Orlando, so Bob is going to say hi to you over your pretzel cookie or whatever you're having for lunch that day. I just thought he was fantastic, not just in terms of getting out in the press, which was great, but also just engaging with people, being interested in what was going on, having that tremendous energy. Um, I really thought that was fantastic. And again, for me on the sales side, I don't see a lot of salespeople. The IBM salespeople tend to be calling on the big customers. They're kind of doing their own thing. So it's fun for me to see somebody who has a sales background, who's out there fighting, who's out there doing what I'm doing and kind of a role model for me. So, you know, nothing against Alistair. I'm sure he's fantastic, but, you know, we definitely miss Bob. He was, um, had great energy and, and was interested in technology too. He was very interested in sort of what's new, what's going on, what have you got, um, very cutting edge. And I think we saw some of that. I don't know how much of the credit um, should go to him or, or maybe to somebody else, but the whole vibe at Lotusphere last year, I thought was very different that, you know, we're bringing in all these people that are actually doing social media, that are on Twitter, that are famous to folks that are in IT, I just thought the energy was fantastic. And, and unfortunately, you generally don't get that with somebody who has an engineering background. They tend mm. to be more comfortable heads down writing code than on stage at Lotusphere. So I'm going to miss having somebody with, with that kind of energy and enthusiasm and, and somebody who's not afraid to let that show. So we miss you, Bob. Feel free to come back. <laughs> And and again, you know, I'm sorry to have three opinions that are very similar, but you know, I I said at the time this is the worst thing that could happen to Lotus when when Bob moved on, and I really felt like Bob was only halfway through the job he had to do with with Lotus in in terms of returning it to the to the limelight of the IT press, returning it to a competitive nature to to deal with some of the um you know the the competitive forces that were upon it the whole time, and he was doing such a great job of that. It always seemed like he was cut off in his prime in terms of that role with Lotus, um, and I do. Feel feel that that lotus is its own brand you know it is just a a pillar of ibm software group products but it does have its own identity and i think as soon as you lose that identity it just becomes you know swallowed up by the whole by the you know the ibm whole whereas he was giving it that that kind of identity out there in the press and in the marketplace and working with it and you know I, i'm not saying at all that alistair hasn't done a good job in his year or so on the job, I, I think he's he's worked you know really really hard and you know and and some of the products that have been released in his time have been really good, but at the same time he just doesn't have that that presence out there. Uh, and it had been it was interesting from the Technomati article that was published earlier on this um this month. We'll we'll put the link in the show notes that Alistair was out there talking talking about Twitter for example as as something that is taking over the social um you know way of working and saying everybody's tweeting and, and that immediately made me think is everybody tweeting is alistair tweeting for example and so 
I don't believe he is unless he's using an ID that nobody knows about. Therefore, <laughs> it would be great if, if he was a little bit more out there in terms of getting his views known, um, dealing with some of the, the analysts and so on. I'm sure he does that privately, but it's not being seen publicly currently. So um, so that happened sort of a week or so before Lotusphere. Uh, if we move on to Lotusphere, we had, um, you know, William Shatner opening the show. Woohoo! Uh, you know, after all these years of people predicting that the Shat would be there, he was there. And, and what did you think, guys? Was he as good as you imagined he would be? <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for Darren to take that one. I, I just thought it was, a, you know, it, it really was not about what he had to say or what he did once he got there. It was really, to me, just an example of what I saw all throughout Lotus Fear 2010, that whole know your audience. You know, you've got a room, not to stereotype and not to say anything bad, because, you know, I love geeks. I've married one. But you've got a room that's, you know, a good 97% geeks. And if you can, you know, put somebody in that they know that they like that they've been asking for that they've been guessing about it just sort of says we know our audience we're listening versus you know hey here's some random person that was expensive as a speaker so i thought it was fantastic darren well if you want to please the geeks megan fox <laughs> hush <laughs> <laughs> um wow I, I think he was actually pretty good i i i enjoyed him i'm, I'm not a really big shatner fan Again, Darren the outlier. Wow, shocker, right? <laughs> but I was I was sat right at the front, and I could see that his um, teleprompter had broken. Yeah, it, it was it was breaking all for everybody. It wasn't just him. So a lot of the stops and starts on the stage weren't due to the person forgetting the lines. It was due to the teleprompter stopping. And when Shatner was up there, I was watching the teleprompters at that point to see what was going on. And it was going faster and slower and going black and <laughs> then speeding up. And he just completely ignored it and, and off he went. And, and I think that's a testament to his skill as, as a presenter and, and a showman that he just took it in his stride and off he went. And, and I would hazard a guess that not one of the four and a half thousand people in that room knew. Well, except for you. Well, you me, me and William, me and Bill. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the OGS, of course, was you know Shatner to start off, and then we had the handover, really, didn't we? From from Bob P to Alistair R. Um, in in terms of sort of handing over the reins, Bob introduced things, and then Alistair went on, and and we had some pretty big announcements in in the OGS, as you would expect. Um, not least that the Lotus Live win at Panasonic, which had happened, I guess, a few days earlier, it hit the press. Um. And and then that was quite a big one because it was certainly the first big cloud win we'd heard about for Lotus Live, uh, in you know back in January. And it's interesting to see how things have sort of gone with with that win since then. We haven't heard too many more wins for Lotus Live since then. Certainly not of that magnitude. Um, but it it was certainly quite a groundbreaking thing for it to have happened at that stage. And and I think in IBM's defence, that was a six figure seat win. And I, yeah. I'm I'm pushing. To think of any other company that had a six-figure win for the cloud in the last 12 months as well. That's very true. So I think the detriment to IBM is it was by far the biggest, and I think anything else you release, everyone's going to go, eh. <laughs> 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 and that's kind of, I guess, good, right? But you, you have something so big and so huge as Panasonic, but that everything else looks so small. And I'm not surprised that it's kind of gone a bit quiet on the Panasonic front because this must be a multi-year rollout. You, you can't do something like this in in maybe 
you know, three to six months. So it's it, that, that's my guess. And I wouldn't be surprised if they're talking about it again this year. Particularly, as I know from, from having worked with Panasonic at times, is that they were a very, very sort of broken up company in terms of having different geographies managing their own IT and, and therefore bringing those together is going to be a big job, however they do it, whether it's cloud-based or not. So, um, so yeah, I'm sure we'll hear more. I hope, hope we do this time around. One of the other things that came out of that OGS was um, Project Vulcan, of course, which is kind of the, the one more thing, which we don't often get with Lotus. It was it was kind of the, the tagged on the end of the, of the OGS, uh, this big new kind of visionary statement as to where Lotus was going in the next couple of years. Um, yeah, uh, Lisa, can you remember what your views were on Vulcan when it was announced? Did you see it as being a, a big thing for Lotus to come out with? Uh, well, first off, I remember right before they announced it, because um, the OGS had been going on for a while and some folks were starting to sort of wander off. And I was watching everybody on Twitter and Ed Brill is like, don't leave. There's an exciting <laughs> thing. I still have to do my exciting thing. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was really cool. It was a honestly a bit of a shock to me at the time and um they put it up there and walked off and it was sort of what just happened so um i'd say over the years since then i've seen enough demos and been to enough presentations that i kind of get what the idea is where they're going with it and i think it's pretty cool i think they're they're right on track it's definitely um going to give that updated look and feel kind of centrally consolidate everything, which seems to be what people are looking for, a way to sort of manage all the various inputs that are coming in. So, um, yeah, but I remember at the time thinking, what the heck was that? What just happened? <laughs> <laughs> and Darren, you must have seen a few demos of it um, since then. Uh, you got any sense to, to how Project Vulcan's going and what it's going to mean to us in the next six months or so? They have seemed to have relaxed off the it's not a product line a bit more. They used to say it at least 20 times in a demo, and now they only say it twice. <laughs> <laughs> so that means it's getting closer to being an actual product. Um, I, I think it was a very good announcement. I think it took the world by storm. Um, as, as with everything like this, it, this is a huge development cycle. It's going to be, you know, from the time that it was, it was talked about at Lotusphere 2010, it's probably still, you know, maybe half a year, a year, if not even 18 months before it's fully baked and, and, and available to people. I know they're on about giving development, uh, developers access to it sometime in the first half of 2011. So it's got to be getting close. Um, that the actual announcement wasn't kind of new to me uh, because I'd been to Lola in October 2009 and they, they'd showed what Vulcan had became as, as kind of a precursor. And so they said, we're looking at this in the labs. So the biggest shock was for me was from October, it was in the labs to January. Hey, this is our new, 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 new lifesaver kind of idea. I was like, oh, okay, wow, that was a bit of a shock. Um, but, I, you know, I think it's, it, it's, it's a good idea. I think it's got to be kind of accelerated a bit. Um, you know, we've already seen Google Wave come and go. Um, you know, Google Wave is dead, long live Project Vulcan. But the, the fact of the matter is the, the longer they wait and the longer they tie themselves to these massive, massive web sphere development projects, the, the, the longer it gives these little startup companies that have PHP in the lamp stack, you know, carte blanche access. So, you know, I think they've got to, they've got to get out there and start, start moving this stuff out into at least, if not gold code, at least real live demos on, on Lotus Live or something like that. Well, and I think part of the feeling is, you know, good grief, we still have 
clients in production on 6.5, which isn't even supported by IBM anymore, what's the big rush to get out something new? We need to be focused on getting people using 8.5, using the latest on the server and rolling out the client. So I think IBM, from what I've just sort of picked up, I think they sort of feel like the pressure is off. Let's give our big enterprise clients a year or two to finish upgrading everybody to 8.5 and recover from that before we show them something new. Um, I don't know that I agree with that, but I think that's kind of where they're where their uh, more relaxed approach may come from. But um, I think it's good to have it out there, even if it's not coming in the next year or two. We've been screaming for years about we need a roadmap, we need this proof that IBM is committed to this platform, and they pretty much put it up for everyone to see and said, this is the way we're going. This is what we see as the future. Oh, don't so think for I a minute was- that this is the platform. This is Domino, because it ain't. Yeah. I think it's going to be interesting to see what what comes of this. In that, you know, when it when it was announced, I saw it very much as IBM's competitive with Wave. And as you say, Darren, Wave's gone now, and so we're, <laughs> we're kind of left with, you know, what did Wave start? And obviously, a lot of the things that came out of Wave have now been backported into some of the other stuff Google does. Microsoft's kind of bought as Office three six five, whatever it's called, their their replacement for BPOS. So the world is all moving in this sort of cloud based kind of grown-up collaboration social tool tooling and, and clearly Vulcan is the competitor for that from IBM what's going to be interesting is whether as you say it's a new product that is a new platform something very different or whether it's this sort of incremental changes to what customers already have and know and and I think that's the piece that's still kind of the unknown is is which, which bits of quicker connections domino are, are still going to be there and which bits kind of move to this new platform and and that's the bit i i'm hoping to learn more about later for 2011 i think that's the that's the pieces that we're going to need to know more about as we plan for for 2011 with with the customers that we have today um it, it's it, the other thing with, with vulcan that i've been quite surprised at is how little information has been shared in that there's been quite a few presentations so people like ed and chris crumley and so on have been doing presentations at user groups telling people about it but there's still very little on the web about it and so again i think that's something that surprised me is ibm hasn't been a bit more out there in terms of of trying to get the mind share around what it's trying to achieve with vulcan even though it's still a year out i think it would be good to get some of that knowledge out there and shared or at least start giving out um, invitations to people to give out invitations to, right? You, you, you rip, rip off Google and, and, and build awareness that way. But, oh, I've got an invitation to Vulcan. Oh, I'm special. But it builds demand, doesn't it? Yeah, it builds awareness, it but it also builds demand and, and you know, gets people in, interested and, and wanting to, to move to it. So and another thing that came out of the OGS, I remember um, Bob P and, and Alice are both talking about this um, as well. Was was that Lotus Traveler, which was is you know one of the the news from you know the previous year from twenty oh nine, suddenly became a a big thing in terms of the OGS. We're talking about Android. Uh, you know, Android at that time was still very much a, a baby uh, mobile platform. It had a few phones on the market, but wasn't massive in terms of market share and IBM announced at that stage they were going to support it and I believe you've got Android devices down and and, and it's now out there delivered on on December the 14th so that's something that was announced and has now come to fruition as well. Yeah I think it took them a bit longer than they would have liked. Um, it, it, It kind of looks like the decision to support Android was made just for Lotusphere and it was probably you know, a brand new decision that was made in the bar two nights before, because I, I'm not sure there was any development had been done at that point. 
and then the decision was made to only support Android 2, which I have no problems with. I know some people do, but I don't. Um, and it's a it's a very, very good product. Uh, it it kind of just works to an extent. You do need a call support and get a fixed pack, by the way. It doesn't just work as good as everyone purports. It just works. Um, but it, it is it is good. Um, they took the decision to build their own client, which is why it took a, a, a number of months to get out there. So it's not like the iPhone traveler in that respect. Um, but that does enable them to add some features, like we have repeating calendar invites and stuff like that that we can do that I don't think you can do on, on many of your platforms. So I, I think it was a good good move. Uh, we are starting to see a, a, a slight proliferation of Androids in, in, in the marketplace in the US inside of enterprises now. And we're starting to really see the idea of people getting away from the, the, the organization giving you the phone. It's more like BYOF, BYOP, being your own phone. <laughs> um, and, and so this, this helps that, as, as does BezX, which was also released around the same time. Um, so kudos to IBM for getting it out this year, because I think it would have been a bit of a, a, a political hot potato had it not been released by the next Lotusphere. Yeah, of course. And, and yeah, there's been recent news that Android is now the biggest mobile platform uh, in terms of sales in the US now. So, you know, clearly that decision they made a year ago is, is most definitely the right decision for today in terms of, you know, if they hadn't have done it, then, you know, as you say, there'd be massive pressure on them to, to be getting up to speed there. The other thing that I took away from, from Lotusphere 2010 was Lotus Nose, which was such a big part of the conference, whether it was the bus or the T-shirts they were giving out or the branding or the tag they asked to use it was you know a huge part of, of lotus Fair 2010 and and so it's interesting to see kind of where we are with lotus nose again a year on has it made a big difference to to you guys in the states you are you hearing stuff from customers about having seen lotus notes branding that's I think silence that's your answer. I think. <laughs> <laughs> so you know you've kind of got to read between the lines and, and it, the story at least in my mind and that's where i live most of the time <laughs> goes something along the lines of this is they had no money so they came with a catchphrase and they asked every person on in the blogosphere to add that hashtag to the tweet or whatever or this and that and the other and they gave us an icon and they gave us a little website with that cool spinny twitter globy web sphere thing that was kind of cool and I think they just said, have at it. We don't have really any money to throw at this. We can afford a bus to go to 13 cities and like somewhere else. And I think then they built up a lot of fluff around it. And I think we, we did it. Uh, and then we heard, we all got excited about the World Cup. Um, and if you ask anyone who was at the World Cup, like Carl Tyler or Chris Miller, how many Lotus knows things this or that, I think you will hear a resounding none. Well, and to be fair, they did put money into it. Um, not enough. Uh, not enough to, to get really onto people's radar, I don't think. But there were times when I signed in to LinkedIn and I saw the Lotus Nose ad kind of on the, the right side there where the ads are. Um, there were print ads that they ran in Wired, um, Fast Company, a couple of other magazines part of the gap was IBM did not do a good job of letting those of us in the community know where the ads were running they they wanted to make everything double secret and I guess they have to do this because they're afraid if it gets out then I don't know a competitor will run an ad on uh, the other page but 
the competitors running ads on the other page anyway. So I don't, I I don't, (laughs) yeah, I don't get the need for secrecy, but the way they set it up was if you wanted to know where the ads were going to run, then you had to find out about and apply for this double secret program. And if you got accepted to the double secret program, then they would let you know where the print ads and the web ads were running. So if you knew about the double secret program and you got in and you knew where the ads were, you could go and find them. So I have copies of print magazines that I went out and purchased specifically to have a copy of the ad to take to user groups and to show to people. So if you knew where to look, they were there. And I'm sure those print ads and those magazines were very expensive. The problem was... You know, it's like trying to cover a king-size bed with a tablespoon of peanut butter. It's just not enough to get the job done. And so I'm sure they put money into it. I'm sure they had to really go out on a limb and the other brands are all upset and jealous. But it just was not enough to really raise people's awareness. And they were, you know, as is typical with IBM, there are things they probably should keep secret that they're sharing and things that they should be sharing that they're keeping secret. So I would love to see, and supposedly it is still an ongoing campaign. I asked that question on our last uh, LTIE, the community meetings that Joyce Davis runs. I asked, is it still ongoing? And they said, yes, I would love to see the marketing people do more outreach to the bloggers and to the community, not to say, hey, here's what you can do for us, but for the marketing people to say, hey, here's what we're doing for you. And then the bloggers could kind of amplify that message rather than feeling like they're being asked to do all the advertising for them. So I thought it was fantastic. I loved the tie-in with the Lotus Nose campaign at Lotusphere. And I was really sad to see that they didn't keep that color scheme and that tie-in for Lotusphere 2011. I guess maybe there was a graphic designer that needed to justify a job or something, but I wish they had kept that because it would have led to the perception that the Lotus Nose campaign was ongoing versus, you know, IBM's kind of gone quiet about it. A lot of people haven't seen the ads that are going on. Then it goes away for Lotusphere. It's making people feel like it's gone. It's a shame. there was a sale on balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely going to be the balls, Lotus Fair. Um, I mean, it, it's it's interesting because Lotus Nose is still on in the UK, uh, as far as I'm aware. It's uh, it's 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 there to be seen. If you happen to go through Terminal Five at Heathrow, if you go through any other terminal or any other airport, you won't see it. But if you go through Terminal Five <laughs> at Heathrow, it's there. So, it, it, as you say, it's it's kind of uh, some money's been spent, but maybe not. You know. In enough or in enough places for it to 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 make the grade there. Uh, something that was interesting was the Steve Porter remix uh, that was done at Lowsphere, which I think was a, a tremendous hit, and I'd love to see them do more of that kind of thing, highlighting what goes on at Lowsphere uh, and some of the you know sort of branding around Lowsphere. I think it's a good way to get that kind of viral awareness out there, albeit you need more uh, backing it up as well. Uh, certainly, the theme for Lowsphere 2011 seems to be social business, which of course is a IBM campaign that embraces some of the technology that Lotus is selling rather than being a Lotus focused campaign. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out in terms of stuff going on at Lotus Sphere. And I, and I think Lotus knows is kind of a bit like Hogwarts, that if you go to the right place at the right time, 
the train <laughs> arrives and you can go to wizard school. <laughs> well, I, I saw it on uh, YouTube just the other day. I was I was on YouTube looking at a uh, video that a business partner of Lotus had uploaded, and there was the Lotus Nose uh, advert right next to it. But the problem is, you only see those so rarely, even as somebody who who is looking for them, that it doesn't build that kind of awareness that, that maybe it needs to. So we'll see what happens with that in 2011. It'll be interesting to see what, what gets made of, of Lotus Nose uh, in Orlando. Now, moving on through the year, of course, they announced lots of stuff at Lotusphere. It then gradually sort of became um, you know out there in terms of a, a new version of software or a new service that was being offered. The first of those that I'm aware of is, is Notion Domino 85.2, was released back in August. Um, Darren, you must have been working with 85.2 since then with customers. How's it been so far? Um, generally, I like it a lot. Um, it fixed a few of the bugs in that we had in 851, like Gamebox Refresh, but I've started to find a few new ones. So I need to have some special time with support in the next few <laughs> weeks. <laughs> but overall, I, I still like it. I think it's one of the best uh, fully baked out of the gate releases. The managed replica stuff is, yeah. is phenomenal. Um, you know, and that, that alone is probably worth the, the upgrade. Indeed, and just again, small things like the um, you know, the multi-threaded replication. I've had so many kind of wow statements from from users when they realise that's there. So, um, yeah, there are a number of incremental improvements overall made a, a big difference. There was a a little nasty in terms of the SMTP utilisation bug that, that caught a few people out, but I think there's been precious few of those with eight five two. So I think in terms of quality, it's been one of the best releases I've seen for a long, long time. And then, of course, if we roll forward to September, we then got Quicker 8.5, um, which, again, I'm guessing you guys have, have implemented. I've, I've just put my first install in at a customer, and again, it, it just works, really. It's, it's, it seems to be a pretty fine release in terms of getting the, um, you know, particularly the domino release of Quicker up to what customers are expecting it to do today. Yeah, and, you know, but, but was a, it seemed like a really long beta period on that as a mm. design partner, and I think that paid off. Um, there are a couple of things missing, like the ability to um, import a HTML page, I think, is gone. And I think that was a mistake. I don't think anyone on the beta program realized. And I, I think IBM didn't maybe realize on that one. But that's, you know, that I think that's slated to be fixed pretty soon. I don't know if it's fixed in A5.1. I haven't checked yet. Uh, but quicker A5, you know, it was a nice UI. Got rid of ActiveX. Yay! <laughs> And of course, Rob Novak, who probably is, is one of the, if not the uh, biggest exponents of, of Quicker with his Snaps company, said it was the biggest change in Quicker since, you know, Quick Place 1. So, yeah, there was a lot changed under the covers. And I think we're only just really beginning to get to know what was there in terms of some of the functionality that can be built on with, with customizations and integration looking forward. If I yep. can be the voice of the user for a second, I'm not happy. Ooh, <laughs> tell us why, Lisa. <laughs> well, I really liked the quicker logo and it used to show up in the bottom right corner of my screen down by the clock and I could right click on it and get to my places and it would show up on my desktop and now it's this thing that doesn't look like a lotus logo at all it just says places and I don't know if they did that because they're trying to share connectors between quicker and connections or what the motivation was but again as a user you can upgrade all you want fix bugs, add features, whatever. But I don't want to know about it. I don't want to see it. I don't want the way I work to change. So not only did they change that, but also when I do get to my Explorer and I try to open a document, instead of the document opening, it launches a web page and then I have to go to the web page and or I have to remember to right click and say, do something different. And 
So I'm not happy, but I know the users are probably some of the least important people in the Lotus world. So. No, no, no. Don't say that, Lisa. <laughs> now, now. <laughs> Sorry. Yes, how many users have blogs? <laughs> That's true. Yeah. So I'm not happy. I didn't see anything that made my life better. It just confused and uh, distracted me. So, so but... let's back up a second. The, the, it looks to me, I agree, the connector icon changing kind of flummoxed me. And I asked about that early on, and no one ever came up with a good answer. Um, but the having to right-click in the connectors and say open attachment, it looks to me like that is only an issue if you upgrade from an early release of Quicker Domino. If you install a Quicker 8.5 from scratch, that doesn't seem to happen. So I think it has something to do, dear listeners, with the default page type you have set for that Quicker place. Well, that doesn't help me at all because if I'm installing Quicker 8.5 new, presumably I've never used it before, so I don't care that it quote-unquote works differently. <laughs> It should be more consistent for people that do have it and are upgrading. So, whatever. Lisa, can I ask you to raise a call with your technical person? <laughs> yeah, Darren, can you look into that for me? I've resigned. Will you put in a PMR to get my Q logo for the, ah, ah. <laughs> the tray like back? Like partners can put PMRs in. That's, that, that's the holiday joke. There you go. You so, can if you pay full retail price for the software. Yeah. So quick, quickly moving on, um, October saw a couple of releases. We got Lotus Live Notes, which of course is the first time that the Notes and Domino kind of really officially made it out into the cloud. Um, people like Ed uh, made a very big deal of that. I, th I think it's a pretty sensational release in terms of IBM catching up in, in many ways with some of the other cloud-based email systems, particularly bundling the client into the license costs that, that are very, very competitive. Um, I, I think that was a pretty big move and I'm, I'm not sure that we're going to see a massive sway of existing customers moving from what they have now in terms of on-premise to a cloud base but it's an option that's out there IBM has something and I think I think that's a pretty big deal in terms of IBM um, cashing up with the opposition maybe in that area. Once, once BlackBerry support comes out mm. for it I think it's going to be a lot more marketable. T today it's it's a difficult sale not, not necessarily Describing it, but actually selling it is is nothing short of like a hernia operation. Yeah, the actual process of trying to place an order and get someone set up and. <sighs> so what what's the reason for that? Is that to do with the passport advantage um, pricing and that kind of thing? Um, no, and I'm I'm assuming that you know the exact SKU you want, and you're putting in the order. From the time you do that till the time the customer is up and running, there's a lot of confusion at the reseller, at the distributor, at IBM. There is a special addendum, like legal thingy that you have to get to the customer and have signed. There's forms that you have to fill out to submit back to IBM so they know what accounts to set up. And it's just not a very smooth process yet. It's, it's more like Lotus Lawyer Live. <laughs> <laughs> well, and again, if you're IBM, it's probably not an issue because in IBM land, a good customer is a giant corporate entity that takes forever to do stuff anyway. So if there's some paperwork we have to do, no big deal. It's going to take you four years to roll this out anyway. But in SMB, it's like people are like, okay, you've got my check. Bang. 
I want to start using this. And there's a lot of, and again, I think some of it will smooth out as the resellers get used to it, the distributors get used to it, the IBM support people get used to it. But right now it's a lot of like, oh, wait, there's a whole other process we have to go through. And it's just, it's very cumbersome right now. And I guess we've been waiting for things like credit card ordering across the legislative suite up till now. So, you know, there's, there's still some movement to go there, but at least they're out there and they're doing it, which is good news, certainly for the Lotus brand. In Absolutely. In October, we also got Symphony 3, uh, which most people around the uh, around the community are busy using right now to produce Lotusphere slides if they're presenting at Lotusphere. And it seems pretty good in terms of uh, catching up to date with the Open Office release. I know, Darren, you've used Open Office for a few years now, Lotus uh, Lotus Symphony now has caught up with that code base. Seems to be doing it pretty well. Uh, get get some pretty good reviews and some good um, awards from from newspapers as well. I liked it. I still like it, but it's difficult to do a hundred and eighty three slide presentation deck <laughs> in it. Good job you're not doing a show and tell on installing connections. Then that's all I say. <laughs> <laughs> and on that subject of connections, we also had the release of Connections Three in November, at late November, um, which I'm busy implementing for a range of customers now. And again, seems like a a pretty fine release. Um, it seems to be sort of the the cementing really of social software in organisations in terms of it seems like a mature. Um, product now it seems like a lot of the issues with which tool would I use for which purpose has now kind of gone away because the menu structure is much more sensible and and the way it's pulling together news feeds and searches and so on across the product seems to be much more reliable now so uh, from my point of view Connection 3 was was a pretty big deal when it released in November I'm sure customers will will get to see that at Lotusphere as well and there was lots of good buzz around it as well. They did it very well, didn't they? Yeah, some good videos and some good demos and so on um, got out there into the ether. So uh, so good job by that product management team too. Uh, somebody mentioned it early on. We also had an old friend leave us this year in terms of Note 6.5 dropping off support back in April. You still got customers running on Note 6.5? I don't know if we've got any active customers, but we get called all the time about, can you move us, can you upgrade us from 6.5? In fact... I think we've got like two or three projects on the books right now that's due to start sometime next year to upgrade to 6.5. And initially, they want to go to 7 until we tell them, well, in April 30th, 7 goes <laughs> off support. <laughs> and that kind of changes the conversation. I know IBM extended 6.5 support an extra year. I still think that was a horrendously bad move, but that's my opinion. When was 6.5 launched originally? 2002. Yeah, that was, that was what I was going to say. Good grief. You know, is anybody still using the cell phone that they bought in 2002? <laughs> or, or Office XP. Office XP was 2002. Oh, okay. Well, people are still using that. <laughs> the thing is, Windows XP is still around too, which was launched, what, 2001? Two, so, 2002, yeah, that's what yeah. I was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. products do kind of last a long time. I, I feel some sort of sadness for 6.5 because I think it was – you know, kind of the resurgence. Six six was a bit of a, a, a non-event, really, in terms of um, Domino releases. We kind of jumped from, you know, Notes 5 was such a big deal in terms of changing the UI and so on. Notes 6 didn't really do very much. 6.5 was a big deal in terms of bringing in same-time support. Um, and so it, it was. I can see why customers were still using it until recently. But then you compare it, you know, side-by-side side with, with 8.5, and there's just such a massive leap that I'm amazed customers that have seen 8.5 aren't looking to get to it you know, by this stage. Yeah, I can't understand why, other than the fact that the actual process of upgrading 
is a lot of work and is kind of scary and risky. And, you know, I do get that and appreciate that. And again, Darren is available for consulting engagements if anybody's (laughs) afraid and needs emotional support or technical support. But other than just the pain of the upgrade, which I acknowledge, I don't understand why anybody is hanging on to 6.5. It is so old compared to 8.5. There are so many benefits in terms of getting half your drive space back with DAOs, reducing a lot of the hassle that goes into administering the server. You know, I have people that are calling me that are whining about things that have been fixed for, you know, five years. And it's kind of, it's hard to feel sympathy. It's like, well, you know, they're not just coming out with new versions because they get bored and are wanting something to do. The things that you hate, they fixed. <laughs> so take the upgrade. I don't know. It's, it's, I'm, I'm glad that they're taking it off support and that people are getting that push to suffer through the pain, go ahead, get upgraded because it's such a better product, both on the server side and on the client side. I think the sooner we can get it out there, the better. Particularly now 8.5 has been out for two years. You know, on the 6th of of January, 8.5 will be a two-year-old product. So, you know, it's not like this brand new technology that needs a point release. It's, you know, it's very, very reliable, very out there, very known. So, you know, get up to date if you can. One of the other big things I took away from this year is that community events are kind of growing. There's more of them. They're going from strength to strength in terms of the organization, particularly of of these events. You know, we've had Lug, the Belgian news group, I am Lug, Netherlands Lug, Tri-State Lug, I Lug, the Irish event. Yeah, so many of them this year, um, along with a number of small ones. Lisa, I know you helped run some of those in, in the southeast of the US. Um, so, I mean, what's your feeling? Is is the user group where it's at in terms of getting Lotus customers to, to kind of get more information about the products they run with? I, um, having had a year to look back on this, I've got um, sort of mixed feelings. I think the big lugs, um, like I lug, um, I am lug, those kind of events are fantastic. It's basically like a local Lotosphere, um, either as a halfway through the year update on kind of what's changed since Lotosphere, or for folks that aren't able to make it to Lotosphere, a local event. So I think they're fantastic. Um, last year, we spent a lot of time traveling. We were in you know, like six cities, we did all kinds of different events. And I think it was important because so much has changed six, five, since six, five. I think that outreach, getting out, getting into the local communities, letting people know, hey, Lotus is alive and well, it's going really strong. Here's what's new. I think that was tremendously valuable. However, we got a lot of feedback with our small lugs of people saying, well, I can't do that day you know, I can't make it to Chattanooga. Can you come to Knoxville? So as good as it was, it was a lot of work on us. And it was also not always the most convenient for everybody that was out there. So I think for STS, for our small local events, we're going to try to combine some of them, go online and do sort of quarterly webinars. So, you know, if you are in Knoxville and it's hard to get to Chattanooga if, you know, Tuesday is not good for you and you were hoping for Thursday. I'm hoping if we can put some of that online, it'll make it easier, more convenient. People can do it from their desks. And it also allows us to open it up beyond just the southeastern U.S. So we're going to be doing the first one of those February 15th and um, really testing that this year as a way to 
you know, put our money where our mouth is. We're always talking about social media and collaboration and Lotus products allowing you to do more with less. So we're going to use Lotus Live, do some webinars and try that out this year and, and see how it goes. But I think it's very important for somebody to be out and really spreading the word. Excellent. Well, I, I certainly agree with that. I, I think that the events I've been to this year, particularly NLLUG, I, I thought were just fantastic in terms of taking the, the kind of formality of what IBM does with Lotosphere and their small events and building on the kind of the community and the fun and the engagement that you get from a community event. And, and you're kind of almost seeing them merge now. And, and that's why, in many ways, I think Lotosphere Comes to You is going to be interesting this year round in terms of certainly the events in the UK that I attend are very salesy, very formal, very organised uh, events. And I don't see that same level of engagement as, as you do from the, the, the user groups. And I think it's going to be interesting to see whether Lotusphere Comes to You has kind of had its day in terms of that very very organised approach or whether um, you know they're still going to get the success they've had in previous years. I, I think this, the problem with Lotusphere Comes to You is the same problem with Lotusphere itself in that I really think... And, you know, IBM is a lot of individuals, so this may not be true for every IBMer. But I think IBM as a whole sees Lotosphere and then the Lotosphere comes to you as a show of here's what's new with the products. Here's the new products that we are launching. Please review all the information that has been presented and contact your sales rep with your order. And unfortunately... The people that generally attend, again, exceptions, but generally the people that attend Lotosphere or Lotosphere Comes to You are technical people, they're developers, they're admins, they're looking for tactical information that is going to help them do their job better. Plus, they are interested in getting a glimpse into what's IBM doing in the cloud, what's new, what's coming, but generally, it's not the people that are shopping for software. And this is kind of a problem with Lotus in general is IBM traditionally and us as an IBM partner, I'll include us in this as well. We tend to go to IT and sell to IT. The problem is things have shifted and applications are really being purchased by line of business users with IT sort of, if they're lucky, getting notified about it after it's happened. And salesforce.com. Exactly. Like salesforce.com. I imagine there's a lot of companies that are quote unquote using salesforce.com and the IT department may not even know. So I think IBM sees it as a way to show off their wares, sell, and then they're surprised that they don't get business out of it. Whereas the customers are coming thinking I'm going to get good in-depth technical information and they always leave disappointed going it was kind of a sales thing. So I think that's why the lugs are good is because it is very much nuts and bolts technical information. And I think IBM is trying to experiment with this. Um, they had something last year with an industry focus. They're doing something this year at Lotusphere around social collaboration that's more aimed towards executives, decision makers. And I think if they can get that baked, <clears throat> excuse me, then what would really make sense is you have the logs for the technical people to get them updated. And then you take this social, social collaboration fest majig and you take that to executives to C-level people and do your selling there. I think they're, they're trying to get there, but they're not quite there yet. Excellent. And 
something else that I've taken away from from this year is the move towards mobile devices. You know, probably as we entered 2010, most people in our community had a smartphone. Uh, you know, maybe they had an iPhone, maybe they had a BlackBerry. Uh, but then, of course, through this year, from the iPad announcement back in January through to it being launched in April, we, we've really seen this sort of tablet revolution, as some people are, ta- are calling it, um, where tablets are now becoming this kind of third level of, of um, you know, device that people are using. They may have a laptop, they definitely have a smartphone, in the middle there's this tablet. So, guys, are you carrying tablets? Um, you know, are you doing much of your work from that that kind of device platform? It's on the table next to the TV. It's a very useful tool to sit down next to the TV and see which new movie Megan Fox is going to be in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say probably the most used app for the tablet is the uh, IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> You know, who is that chick? What was she in before? Let's look it up. Um, and so, the, the, so from your perspective, it's definitely a lifestyle device rather than a business device? Yeah, I think I think it's slightly too big to be more useful than my Android phone in, in my day-to-day use, but it's slightly, it only has one screen and I love dual monitors. <laughs> 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 so until someone comes out with a dual monitor tablet, I'm kind of screwed. Um, yeah, and I think it depends on the use case. Again, if let's say I'm an insurance agent and I go out and look at car wrecks on the side of the road, and I have a form that I need to fill out, and it's 90 percent, you know, check boxes, hit submit. In the right use case, it could definitely be a tool for business, but. There's no keyboard. It's not really good for massive data entry. Um, I still have trouble sometimes breaking them, but then that's more of a personal problem than than a tablet problem. (laughs) So I I think it depends on the use case. I don't think it's going to replace the desktop or even the smartphone, but I think it's good for sort of in between and for fun. People have yet to find their limit on that. And that's because I don't think they've tried using it for business. And like Lisa said, I think if you need a signature, you're a paramedic trying to kick someone out of an ambulance, you know, you're an insurance guy, you know, that kind of stuff. And yeah, I think it might make sense if if they were ruggedized, because I still think they're a bit flimsy to be used out in, in the real world where you would put something like a tough book. But right right now, I, I could see me taking my tablet to Lotusphere and walking around with my Galaxy tablet but I would still have my laptop back in the room for when I have to do some quite quote unquote real work. And I, I think that that for me is the delimiter. You know, I'm, I'm an iPad user, I love it to death. But for me, it's that line between consumption of content versus creation of content. And and for me, the laptop is still where creation takes place. You know, if I want to create a blog post, if I want to write a, a, an email that's more than a few lines, if I want to produce a podcast, you know, the laptop is still where that happens and, and that's not going to go away. But but as a consumption device and therefore for reading news feeds, for, you know, triage of email, it's, it's definitely the place where that kind of thing takes place. So again, it'll be interesting to see what happens at Lotusphere. I, I, I certainly think, think we'll see a huge number of iPads and, and other tablets in people's hands as we sit in an OGS. You know, I have no doubt that will be the device that people will be using. But, you know, there's still definitely a place for those other levels of device too. And I, and I think it's worth pointing out to IBM with, with their whole mantra about social, that they have to get these tools working on the devices people can carry with them, like the iPad, like the Galaxy tablet, like the new Android tablets about to come out. Uh, because that's how you drive the usage, because it is a consumer device. 
I think a consuming that, device, I should say. I think that's right. And I think in some ways they have done that. You know, traveller support is there. Um, you know, but it, it's it's the now moving to the next step where connectors work if, if you need that kind of thing. If um you know, certainly web interfaces for things like connections and quicker uh portal have to work on those kind of devices right from from day one. Um I think they're important enough now that, that needs to be in their their requirements rather than just in the nice to have column. You mentioned social. It's been a big year for social media uh, in this community. You know, we've had the launch of this podcast, but also Taking Notes has kind of had a big resurgence. And thanks to Bruce and Julian for the work they do there. Uh, I Do Notes is, is going strong. Um, Chris, I know, has so many different podcasts. He does The Social Networker and his uh, Spike Studio Productions. Video Fest is, is ongoing as we speak. It's been kind of an interesting year in terms of people realising that there's real value to, to the things that people do in the social media space. Yeah, and not not to nine has has had a bit of a resurgence. I was talking to Dave Leedy a couple of days ago, and since November, his Note to Nine screencast series has like gone up by like four, eight folds, something like that. He was saying. Um, so I think the word is getting out there. I think people are starting to to consume this, and and our numbers have have stayed pretty steady. They they go up, you know, by drips and drips every every couple of weeks. Our numbers. Yeah. Um, but I think we all definitely, if we got to give in a room, we'd we'd all say yes. There is definitely a bubble, and we all have we're all trying to get out of that bubble. And I think that's the challenge, isn't it? Again, as we look forward to next year, is how do we get beyond the the five hundred? You know, beyond the the people that are on Planet Lotus that that know about the wikis that um you know that take part in some of these things to to now going to the you know the the line of business managers. Lisa, you you spoke about it earlier on. How do we reach those people that do use Lotus products, do uh, have the awareness of them as as tools that they use in their business to now being able to get to some of these other peripheral things that go on in the community. Lisa, you got any clues on how we, we get beyond that for next year? Um, well, some of it is the people that are creating most of the content from a community perspective are, you know, people like you and Darren. They are admins they are developers they're very cutting edge they're very in tune with what IBM is doing but they're always approaching things from a more technical perspective so they're they're covering what they're interested in which people like you are going to be interested in learning about so I and maybe this is going to be homework for me but I don't really see you know this is something that I face too is Darren's always like oh you should be always reading everything that's on Planet Lotus. And I'm like, you know, 98% of that is not applicable to me other than just from a, you know, OMG, who said what to who perspective, <laughs> you know, beyond just the she gossip. <laughs> yeah, beyond just the gossip and the scandal, 98% of it is not relevant to me when I have my line of business hat on. It's not stuff about how I can make more money, be more productive. It's not that sort of content. And so it's not going to attract that sort of audience. So I would say in terms of how do we get numbers up on the podcast? How do we get more people aware of Planet Lotus? Um, doing the kind of things like STS did last year, where we go to some geographies that may not have heard anything new about Lotus since 1998 and you know, doing a presentation, letting them know what's going on, doing outbound phone calls, letting them know about webinars. So some more outreach 
to the technical people, the Domino developers and the admins to let them know that this content is available is going to help with getting those numbers up. But if you're trying to target decision makers, line of business people, it's got to be content from people that are decision makers, our line of business people about how the products have helped them. And this is, again, part of why I always lobby for more customer use cases is if I can, you know, even if, let's say, a CEO of an insurance company may not listen to every episode of the podcast, but if you guys had a CEO of an insurance company on as a guest, (laughs) then I could point them to that specific episode and say, hey, here's somebody that's in your industry that's really found these Lotus products useful. Here's what's going on. So, you know, and it's tricky because there don't, there's not any line of business people in the Lotus community. It, it, it goes back to that whole heritage of, you know, it's by, for, and of IT. And it's it's a totally different perspective from a, a business point of view. So maybe I need to take that as a homework assignment and figure that out because I, I think that's going to be the secret to getting, appealing to the decision makers is going to be somebody who says, you know, I, I don't care what tool it is either, but look at how I work on a day-to-day basis. Isn't this awesome? And I think that's how you're going to appeal to those kind of folks. It's a lot simpler than that. Go on then. <laughs> Most people don't know the community exists because nowhere on IBM's site or, I, or Lotus.com site is community first and foremost anywhere on that page. That's so true. Lotus needs to do two things. One, they need to take a complete page out of VMware's book and, and, and back the communities and the user groups the exact same way VMware does. And even if they wanted to, completely rip off of the expert thing to kind of give people a pat on the back and say, I don't know, there's going to be 1,000 worldwide L experts or whatever you want to call them and, and, and build it that way. But more importantly, you know, put stuff like the Taking Notes podcast, This Week in Lotus and, and, and the uh, I Do Notes stuff up on the OGS at, at Lotusphere and say, you know, there, there is way more information than we can give you in this two hours. Here are some places where you can do it. Now, I'm under no illusion that IBM will do this because any, any IBM that listens to this podcast has a heart attack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, you know, the sky isn't always blue. The angels aren't always singing. and The sun isn't always out. But we do give, you know, pretty good advice across all three of the podcasts. And they're all different. They're all different kind of use cases. Uh, you know, Bruce and Julian stick to one topic per per episode. You know, Chris does just literally everything, um, and and we do our roundtable discussion. But but I think if you if you would have put it up on the stage at OGS, it would be interesting to see what the numbers went to next week of a week well, after. And part of it is, other than you know maybe Joyce Davis, I don't think there's really anybody inside of IBM whose job it is to do that. And, you know, we've done, a, I think, a pretty good job on a local level of engaging with the sales and the technical sales team. And we've made some friends there, and they've really helped us spread the word to their customers. But it is completely not their job, especially the salespeople, because the salespeople are like, okay, so you're going to have a user group, and you're going to invite people that are already using Notes and Domino to learn more about how they're using Notes and Domino. How is that going to make me money? And the honest answer is it's not. So it's not a good use of their time. So why does VMware do it? VMware's in probably more Fortune 50 companies than IBM is. My guess would be that there's somebody inside of VMware whose job it is to do that. And 
it's probably leading to follow-on sales. And this is what IBM don't get. They yeah. trot out the latest new product, the LCTY, and think everyone's going to magically buy it. And when they don't, they get all upset. Well, the LCTY was a waste of time. And then yeah. they discontinue the product. Right. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> or rename it and hide it. <laughs> now, I, I, I think there's just not the ability to keep the existing customers. You know, IBM doesn't have the commission structures, doesn't have the, the workforce, doesn't have the, the way of engaging those existing customers, building on them, supporting what they need to do with the product, such that they then come back and buy more. That's the piece that's missing. And that's the piece that, you know, things like, you know, this podcast and taking notes and whatever is trying to do is, is we're trying to build the community, build the, the group that is going to sustain and then grow Lotus looking forward. And I don't think IBM knows how to support that currently. Well, and I, I don't think it's just IBM. I think a lot of it is, you know what, they're a publicly traded company. So it is all about what are we going to do this quarter, this half, this mm. year. And even if, you know, again, I'll get a, a lot of times the Lotus sellers say, yeah, that's really awesome. I think it's great that you're doing it. But they can't stop what they're doing that helps them hit their quota, which helps IBM makes it make its quarterly numbers, which helps its stock go up, which helps make the CEO rich. They can't stop doing that. They can't stop doing their short-term activities to focus on long-term. The whole focus of a publicly traded company is really short-term. And it's a much bigger problem than just IBM or just IT. I think that's a lot of what got um, banks in trouble and what a lot of what caused this banking crisis is if all you care about is get them in the door, resell the loan, go, 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 go. What do you care if somebody can actually afford to make the payments on the loan? It's not your loan anymore. I'm going to completely disagree with you. Oh, go on. I'm used just to it. Like Lotus, just like Lotus is a brand inside of IBM, VMware is a brand inside of EMC. EMC is a publicly traded company, yet VMware has took the world by storm. And every single IT person, be it the guy changing the tapes of the guy signing the checks of a CIO, they know what VMware is and how it makes an impact to their business. And there is a massive, massive community around this. And if IBM Lotus could mimic the same thing that the VMware user groups do, they would not have any problem at all in extolling the virtues of everyone's software or even selling extra stuff on. But I do agree with Stuart is the comp, the comp thing is just killing them. But it's not, you know, it's, it's not a short term thing. Yeah, I, I remember way back in late 90s, we, we, I was in a, a business partner that was selling hardware mostly to big organizations like some of the big airlines. And we always said about IBM salesmen, a customer's for life, not just for Christmas, not just for Q4. <laughs> and, and that's still as true today as it always has been. You know, if we can get away from what target do I need to make? This week, this month, then we can look at the longer term of how do we encourage this customer to use, love, adopt, talk about our product to other similar companies such that they then do more. And I think it's all about community. And I think some people in IBM absolutely get that. Joyce, Mary yes. Beth, Ed, get it. I, I just think not enough execs and above get that in, in the way that maybe VMware execs do. So... Again, maybe that that comes to a wish for next year, perhaps. Uh, a couple of last uh, things in terms of the review. A couple of Lotus fan sites really took off this year. We had the launch of ilovelotusnotes.net back in September. And then a couple of months later in November, we had Darren Adams' notesiscool.com site launch. And I think that's, that's quite interesting in that it's almost people taking on the work that IBM maybe should be doing with its website themselves and doing it, um, you know, doing it in t uh, themselves as, as an external thing. And... 
they're, they're very appealing websites, which is very interesting, very simple, very appealing. Uh, and, and Lisa, have you had customers come up to you and say they've found these sites or have you told customers about them? No. <laughs> Honestly, no. Um, I think a lot of these came out after we were mostly done with our events okay. for the year. So I haven't really been pushing them. And, and I, with some exceptions, there are some customers we have that are on Planet Lotus that are really up to date. But in general, most of our customers don't know something's going on unless we you tell can. them. Yeah, it's, you know, a lot of them, this is not even their full time thing. They may be wearing a lot of different hats and this is just one of them but Darren I know you've been out on client site more than I have lately have you had any feedback or have you showed those to anybody um honestly no it, it's one of these things that I, I forget about until I'm in uh, I'm at Plant Lois and I see the hot chick at the top <laughs> <laughs> um and, and and I think they're still really to be new. I was I was kind of shocked that I love lotusnotes.net was only released in September. I thought that was a lot older than that. It just it kind of blows you away that it's 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 that new and, and Darren Adams's notes as cool is, is is newer than that as well. So I just think it's 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 taken a while to get into my psyche and, and like Lisa said, I really haven't been in front of a room full of people to write these URLs down since they released. So you know, as as LCTYs and the POCs, if we ever do them again, kick off, you know, next year, then these will be two of the URLs we will add to, to the list of Planet Lotus, um, you know, Declan's tome of X pages <laughs> and, and all they, these these two will be added. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, xpages.info as well. You're absolutely right yep. on that one. Well, uh, yeah, I don't have enough slides in my Lotusphere presentation, so I'm going to add another one to list some of these and <laughs> maybe get the word out. Maybe other people can do that too for Lotusphere comes to you. It's um, one of my wishes. <laughs> good stuff. <laughs> and finally, uh, there's been a lot of debate this year. We've covered it a lot on this podcast about Domino as a development platform looking forward and IBM's priorities in that area, whether Domino Designer will might move to the Mac and the source control plugin for Domino Designer and so on. There's been a lot of very interesting debate in that area um something i'd like to add to that is this week we had an ibm paper that uh, i found via a google alert which is really states that domino is ibm's strategic platform for rapid application development and for me this was a game changer you know ibm stating that so clearly in that paper i have to say it's, it's not made it onto a any of the IBM websites yet, which is clearly a place where they, that same statement needs to be made. But for IBM to make it even in a in a um, paper is a, is a pretty big deal. Did you see that, Darren? I, I did. I think you found it, right? Well, I, I was the first person to blog about it. Yeah, it came up in the Google Alert. And and so I I, I saw it and I'm like, this couldn't have come out at a worse time. <laughs> Someone's found this, but it's December the twenty second. <laughs> <laughs> so I was actually I saw you blog about it and I was gonna sit on it until the third or fourth of January, but when everyone starts to get back. Um but I mean it it goes to a it's a classic who knew mm. <laughs> that this document existed and, and someone in IBM actually thinks this. And it's it looks like it's on stock IBM presentation. It's not a Lotus document, it looks like an IBM document. It is, as far as I'm aware. There's no, there's no mention of authors, but it certainly looks like a, a, a very strategic, you know, to use that word again, IBM document in, in terms of getting the news out. I, f I forget the exact terminology they used in terms of the type of paper it was, but it, it seems like a big deal. And uh, I spoke to Ed about it, and I think his plans are the same as yours to blog about it next year when people are getting back to work and, and starting to ramp up for towards Lotusphere. So interesting to see what comes out about that and whether it starts getting mentioned on, on other sites too. 
Now, Stuart, where did you find this? Was it on WikiLeaks? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's no idea for a site. IBM Leaks. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't stuff. that called Partner World? <laughs> <laughs> Too much information that you can't find exactly who told what to who. <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll come back to the topic of Domino for development next year as well, and and I'm sure it will come up at Legosphere too. So, that's uh, been an interesting topic through. 2010. So let's move on now. I uh, asked our uh, guest, Lisa, and also Darren and I to come up with a wish or two or three for next year. So Lisa, do you want to kick us off? What are your wishes for 2011 in terms of what uh, could happen around the Lotus products? Well, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about, about how do we get the word out to non-technical people. There has been a lot of kerfuffle in the community about how do we attract developers to the platform? How do we get new developers on the platform? Nobody talks about, you know, us poor sales and marketing people. Why isn't anybody worried about how do we get people excited about selling Lotus? How do we attract new salespeople to the Lotus community? So um, I think it may be because I'm the only non-IBM, non-technical Lotus salesperson alive. I'm sure you're not. <laughs> on the planet. <laughs> If you exist, send me an email. We'll get together for beers. <laughs> we'll Lotus Tears. Yeah, Lotus Tears. Um, <laughs> Lotus Tears and our Lotus Beers at the Lotus Fear. But anyway, um, so I would love to see more attention for sales and marketing people. More marketing support, more Lotus Nose ads, and more attention for partners in general, community in general, but especially salespeople at Lotusphere. And um, the best, and you guys are going to laugh because I know this is not your target demographic, but if you ever talk to anybody that has been to a Mary Kay, really any Mary Kay event, but they have an annual, their version of Lotusphere, they do over the summer in Dallas. And it is all about the salespeople. It's like, hey, you went out you sold the product. Yeah, you made some money, but you made us some money too. You're so awesome. We love you so much. Let's put you on stage. Let's give you a tiara. <laughs> so I'm not holding out for the tiara, but you know, it would cost IBM nothing to have, you know, at the end of the closing general session, invite, you know, all the podcasters, all the bloggers, you know, all these people up on stage, have them walk across. Everybody jumps on stage at the end anyway to get their picture made. I know everybody did that last year. Why not make recognition for the people who are out selling your products and making your numbers part of the event? There's really precious little for salespeople to do. Most of the IBM salespeople don't even go to anything at Lotusphere. They're there, but they're taking clients out for lunch, out for dinner, out for happy hour, out for golf. I, I just want some love. And maybe I'm the only one, and so I'm not a big enough group <laughs> to make that worth it, but I want some attention. <laughs> You're absolutely right. I, I never kind of thought about that recognition for sales folks. Uh, I completely agree with what you just said. I think that's great. I had to Google Mary Kay. I have to say, so is this a cosmetics company? Yeah. That's uh-huh. not, not known over this side of the pond. Yeah. They make millions of dollars off volunteer labor, which is exactly the uh, like community <laughs> model. Yeah, it's exactly the community model IBM is striving for. But at least they give you some love and attention at the end of the year. Great stuff. Okay, Darren, what's your wish for next year? 
Ooh, I've got four. I had none at the beginning of this <laughs> podcast. Now I've got four. Uh, an update to the notes development tools. And, and by this, I don't mean X pages. Uh, I mean the, 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 the actual Lotus Notes application development environment. You know, added Lotus script, fix our forms th- and views. Forms and views, fixing our 32K insane limits, that kind of stuff. Because at the end of the day, as, as much as X pages is the future, 99.9% of organizations are still doing normal notes application development. So let's let's go back and invest a bit of time and effort in there. Uh, and and while these guys are getting ramped up on X pages or are looking at the next strategic direction, at least give them some, some help. So that's number one. Uh, number two, which I have a feeling is going to come true, is updates to the other Lotus Notes templates. We had the um, discussion database was X-pageified uh, back in 8.5, and everything else was left to languish in its its own blood and tears. But uh, based on some sessions coming at Lotusphere 2011, it looks like at least the team room and the document library are also going to be X-pageified. So I'm glad to see that's happening. I've been a, a big shouter out of that for a while. Yeah. Uh, next is Nifty 50. I just want one. I just want 50. Give me all the stuff I'd normally get if I had something else like SharePoint. I know the arguments for, I know the arguments against. It is not a bad decision and it does not have to be supported. And IBM can throw it over the fence to open NTF. Uh, last but not least is for all of the talk of social business, and this may be being the theme of um, Lotus Fear 2011, Social business is nothing without community. So community needs to be first and foremost on, on literally everything at Lotusphere. And I'm with Stuart. I think we need to come up with a, a last slide that we can leave on, on for people to write down of, of all the community-oriented sites like Planet Lotus, This Week in Lotus, you know, all of you have a podcast, the X-Page Info. I'm with Stuart. I also think IBM need to do this and they need to do it in the OGS and in the closing OGS to remind people when they walk out the door, there is a community to support them for the next 360 days. It's not Lotusphere. Yeah, but Darren, if I can jump in, and this kind of goes back to a point that Stuart made, is I wouldn't be surprised if part of the reason they're hesitant to do that is because you guys beat the heck out of them <laughs> on planet Lotus. So, But we also evangelize about them. You know, you, that's have to, true. you have to take the positives and the negatives together and say that, to, you know, as a whole, this community is a positive thing for the brand, the product, the company. You know, just like VMware's community, just like uh, Mary Kay's community is, just like Lego's community is. And I think Warren Elsmore's done some great work in terms of, of highlighting how similar those communities are, Lego and, and Lotus, is that... There will be negative stuff, but the negative stuff helps the company get better, helps engage better with customers, helps the customers understand the company, the vendor better. And and so there will be negatives. You know, I'm as guilty of, of putting negative posts out there as anybody else. But if you look over the last three years, five years, whatever I've been blogging, the positives absolutely outweigh the negatives, just like they do for Darren, just like they do for most other bloggers on, on Planet Lotus. And therefore, IBM has to, and I, I think some people, again, in IBM do this, aware of that and, and therefore want to engage with the community because it can do so much to support IBM's business if they do. And the negative just goes to prove it's balanced. That's true. If it were all positive all the time, nobody would believe it's, it. That, that would be completely fanboy yeah. at that point. Which I think is, is 
is as damaging as as negative posts, you know, or more damaging even. Is if it's just a mouthpiece, then why would anybody bother reading it? They can get that message from somewhere else. It's, it's got to be balanced, as you say. So on that topic, you know, I, I blog. Many people will be aware of the fact that I blog already on Planet Lotus. Um, I love the Domino blog template. You know, other people use Blogsphere. Declan's great, uh, great um, template. I use the one that Steve Castledine um, developed when he was outside IBM and then got brought into Domino at 702. Uh, it is a great template, but it's been pretty stagnant for at least 18 months, if not two years. Almost really since Steve came into the IBM company, it hasn't really gone anywhere. And and for me, it being something that I am absolutely dependent on, I would love to see some serious um, development time to go into it because there are so many customers that use it. You know, it's used for so many internal blogs. It's used for so many external blogs. It would be super to see some real development go on there in terms of support some of the external blog um, uh, tools like Windows Live Writer and so on in terms of it um, managing multiple blogs in a company and all that kind of thing can be done in that template. And just to clarify, Stuart's wish is not for IBM to fire Steve so he can work on this full time. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, Steve does a wonderful job, but Steve's been pulled into many other um, development projects inside IBM. And so, sorry, I was wrong probably to call out Steve here it's it's an IBM thing. It's it's part of the product. It needs to be brought forward, just like the other templates do too. And uh, if and, and to echo Stuart's comments, we're we're starting to see a bit of a wave of people looking to move off a of Domino template because of this lackadaisical approach to updates. Yeah, and that would uh, be bad for IBM because because if we're not using the product to do the things we need to do in the collaboration space, then why should anybody else? Right. Mm. And so if, Amen. and so if we're using WordPress, why wouldn't we then use, you know, some of the other tools for collaboration? Why wouldn't I go and, you know, do my team space collaboration in some other tool? Wouldn't I why wouldn't I use Gmail for my email? You know, if 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 a if a template is part of the product, it's gotta be supported, developed, moved forward because people are using it. It's a great way of evangelizing about the product we, that we love. Um, my second wish, uh, a bit faster, hopefully, is Lotus Execs need to get out there. You know, we've already spoken about Alistair. Alistair, I am absolutely 100% sure, is doing a wonderful job behind the scenes in meetings with customers in a way that isn't seen, as are so many other IBM execs in the Lotus space. Uh, but I would love some of those things to be seen out there in the media, in the blogosphere, you know, on Twitter, uh, and I would love to see them evangelizing about the Lotus business out there so that customers can see what they're doing. My third one is is probably the most controversial thing I've said on this podcast. Normally I rely on Darren to be the controversial <laughs> one. Darren, thank you so much for all the things you've said that have been controversial over these six, seven months. However, for me in 2011, I would love IBM as a global corporation to either realize what it's got with Lotus and do more with it, embrace it more, adopt more of the what's good about Domino across the rest of its its products, um, or else let it go, sell it off, move it on, move it to a company that does know what it's got. You know, I see what Jive, Atlassian, uh, Social Text, Dropbox, you know, all those people are out there are doing great things with technology they have in social collaboration. Social collaboration is where it's at today, whether you're a consumer or a business. IBM has that in Lotus and it either needs to do more with it, you know, really push it forward or else 
somebody else can do that better than they can. Um, so anyway, that that's my wish for 2011. Do more with Lotus or pass it on. As usual, we'll finish with tips. We ask every person who comes on this podcast to come up with a tip. Darren, do you want to kick us off for this week? Yeah, for anyone who's been on holiday on the moon for the past six months, uh, you may not know about Angry Birds. I think everybody else on the planet does. Sorry, just ang- to make angry, sure. angry what, sorry? A- angry Birds. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not, and, uh, it's, not, it's, it's, it's not a... It's not about a wife. It's yeah, <laughs> but, like... but it will have that effect. It will turn your wife into an angry bird. <laughs> so it, it, it's for the iPhone and Android phones. It's it's a free game to download by the great guys at Rovio. And you're, it, it's strangely addictive in a, in a physics kind of way, uh, where you've got to throw birds at buildings. But <laughs> regardless of my gibberish, go download it. There's Angry Birds and there's Angry Birds Seasons, which is the Christmas and Halloween special versions of it. And go, pl- go play it. And the hours and the, and the weeks and the months will just melt away. And, and before you know it, you'll, your wife will have left you and she'll have took it off. <laughs> And on on a similar kind of uh, vein, there's also Cut the Rope. Have you found that one yet? No. Oh, Cut there the Rope is <laughs> kind of similar. Download it. It's great. Lisa, Lisa what's your tip? Uh, my tip is don't mess with Angry Birds. <laughs> 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 we'll take over your life and your wife won't like it. Um, no, actually, <laughs> I've got some plans that we're starting to put together for next year, um, sort of post Lotusphere time frame, we, I think I mentioned this, we're going to try to travel a little bit less, use Lotus Live, do some webinars, especially for things that maybe you can't do over a podcast or Darren can't do on his blog, demos, um, things like that. So we're going to do our first one on February 15th. It'll be at noon Eastern and it will be over webinar. So everybody should be able to get to it wherever you are. Uh, we'll have the details published as we get closer to the event out at um, our events page, simplified-tech.com events. Um, our first one, we'll probably do updates from Lotusphere just because it will be right, you know, two weeks after Lotusphere. So we'll, we'll give everybody an update who wasn't able to attend and hasn't gotten them through some other source. And the other thing we're going to do is an introductory session for those who are interested on sort of the tips and tricks for starting and running a Lotus consultancy. We talk to a lot of folks that are real intrigued by what we have done. They're um, just interested in, you know, how do you actually start a Lotus consultancy? Is there a good customer base out there for you to service? How does it work? How do you figure out bill rates? How do you get new clients? How do you pick topics to specialize in so that you get asked to speak at events? Um, How do you deal with IBM? How do you build those relationships? So it's something that we thought really might be useful to other folks that are out in the community that are looking at this, especially with the economy still being crazy, employment being um, still down, especially in the U.S. We thought this might be a good opportunity for folks. Um, It's going to be the introduction we will have on February 15th. And then for those that are interested, we'll go more in-depth on each of the topics. We're going to do an eight-week class via webinar, do it Saturdays at 10 Eastern. So if anybody is employed full-time someplace but wants to explore this and learn about it on the side they'll be able to do that and it'll be um, eight weeks Saturdays 10 Eastern March 5th through April 23rd it's going to be $995 for the actual class Um, 
Darren and I talked about this a little bit. And Darren, can you kind of share what you said to me about at the time when you were starting this business, you probably would not have thought it was worth doing, but now you realize it would have been. <laughs> so STS is six years old in a few weeks. Um, and if I was offered this class prior to starting STS, I would have said, what a waste of money. These guys are idiots. <laughs> and I, I will say hand on heart, probably after the first nine months of STS, I would have said, wow, I wish someone had put me through this class. Excellent. I, I certainly would have benefited from when, when we started Collaboration Matters, I'm sure. Uh, Lisa, it's interesting. You're kind of asking for competitors to STS. I think that's, it's kind of a brave thing to do. What, what's your rationale behind doing it? Um, well, I'll give you the mumbo jumbo answer and then I'll give you a more practical answer. So the woo woo airy fairy answer is, you know, we believe in abundance. We're very good at what we do. Our clients freaking love us. And if they don't, they need to contact me so we can make sure that they do. So I'm not really concerned that somebody will take our customers. Um, on top of that, you know, really the bulk of our customers are in the southeastern U.S. So somebody could go and do this in, you know, Maine or Kentucky or whatever and probably never bump into us. Um, so maybe I should be more worried about it, but I'm I'm not. Most small consultancies have, you know, 20 or 30 clients in their local area that they take good care of. So I think we'll be okay. The more practical reason is, um, you know, first off, I think it's something that would have benefited us. And it's something that's interesting to me personally. I have spent almost all of my career in IT, but I'm not really, this is a bad place to out myself for this, but I'm not really as passionate about technology as Darren is. He's the real geek. Just and listen I'm much to the more, Angry Birds comments. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I'm much more interested in entrepreneurship, running a business. So I see this, you know, just from a practical perspective as a way to offer something that I'm going to have fun teaching and that I think is, is really needed and, and really absent out there. So um, we shall see how it goes. But I think there's a, a lot that we've learned the hard way that if somebody had taken the time to explain to us, like we actually had a fellow who was coaching us for a while when we first got started. And he actually said, he said, you know, for the most part, again, there's exceptions. There are people, at, individuals at IBM that will love you if you're a super hot developer and you're really interested in some product that they're working on. But for the most part, IBM doesn't care about you unless you're making IBM money. So if you want more attention from IBM, if you want to get invited to things, if you want to get brought in on deals, you need to be making them money. You need to be helping them hit their quota. And if somebody had just told me that from the beginning, we would have started selling software right out the gate. But, you know, it was three years of struggle before somebody just told me. And, you know, as soon as we started doing that, we were much more able to effectively partner with IBM. So hopefully it'll be helpful for the folks that attend and, and fun for me to teach. Yeah, sounds great. I, I will certainly look out for that in the new year. Um, my tip is is Lotusphere related. Um, it's about birds with feather sessions. Um, for me, they are the absolute hidden gem of Lotusphere, uh, and they're particularly topical at the moment, as I mentioned at, at the start of the podcast. Because if you are registered for Lotusphere, you should have received an email inviting you to go vote for the sessions that you are going to attend at Lotusphere, both the sort of breakout sessions, but also the birds with a feather. Uh, and if you go on that site, there is a list of I don't know how many probably a hundred birds and feather sessions that could 
be put on at Lotus Fair. Um, and you can choose, uh, I think it's the five that you were most likely to go to. Um, so go have a look at that list. The one that Darren mentioned earlier on, uh, the Meet the Podcasters, is on there. Uh, there's also one that I'm doing on, uh, I would like to do on Lotus Connections. But there are many, many great um ideas for boffs on there so go vote for the ones you'd like to see you'd like to attend uh, and then ibm will use that data to then pick the ones that they put on at lotusphere so but they, they are terrific things to go to they're sort of roundtable discussions about a particular topic you get to have your say product managers and other people get to hear what you've got to say about the products uh, and they will use that data as as you know as ways to formulate what they're going to do for the year ahead so do make it to boffs if you're going to go to lotusphere so thank you to everybody for um for taking part in this podcast. Thank you to Darren and Lisa for for being part of this. Um, Darren, how do people find you if they want to track you down this week? Darren Duke, all one word on Twitter for my hundred and forty character rants, <laughs> and blog.darrenduke.net for all things technical. And also because we're not giving you an episode next week, this one is two hours long. Yay! <laughs> Double the value. <laughs> For the same low, low price. <laughs> <laughs> Terrific value. So, Lisa, how do people track you down? Um, Twitter is a great way. I'm just at Lisa Duke. I also um, am a fan of email. Lisa.duke at simplified-tech.com. Works great for me. I love it. Um, and if people want to find more about this webinar series, just contact you via email. Absolutely. Or you can email info, I-N-F-O, at simplified-tech.com. And between now and the first of the year, I'll make sure that we get it up on our events page as well, which will be just simplified-tech.com slash events. And I'll blog about it at some point. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I'm Stuart McIntyre. Find me on Twitter at Stuart McIntyre um, or else Google me. I think you should find some blogs or something that I do. Um, so thank you to everybody for downloading and listening to this podcast. Thank you for your support through the first seven months of this podcast. We wouldn't be doing it unless people were downloading and listening and streaming it. So uh, we appreciate all that you do to um, to support the podcast. And obviously for any feedback you can offer us too, even if it's just to tell us we shouldn't go on for two hours <laughs> without ranting. <laughs> <laughs> and everything else so without further ado um i'd like to wish everybody a very happy christmas or whatever religious celebration you're taking part in in the next couple of weeks uh, i hope you have a very peaceful and prosperous new year and i hope to see you all in orlando or as many people as can make it in orlando come january so thank you darren and thank you lisa you have a terrific time you too thanks bye bye all opinions expressed during this podcast are those of the participants only and do not necessarily represent those of their employer this Week in Lotus is sponsored by TomTom. Check out the brand new TomTom Fire Live 120 with built-in HD traffic, speed cameras, hands-free calling and much more. Details are at thisweekinlotus.com slash TomTom.
Thank you.